Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, the Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside we take a story from folklore and mythology, retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, culture and history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan, I'm your host and your Fireside Bard. Welcome to episode 51 of Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. We're coming to you as always from the beautiful surroundings of the Headstuff Podcast Network Studios right here in Dublin. It is a beautiful very, very, very cold morning in December, and it's great to be back in the studio again. It really is, the winter has truly gripped Dublin, gripped Ireland, gripped the world at large, at least in this half, and uh, I love that. I love the winter, I love wrapping up warm, I love coats, I love scarves, but I also cycle, and cycling is very, very cold at the moment, but there is no better time than when it is cold to listen to lovely, warm stories. So winter certainly is the season of fireside. So it is great. It always feels very appropriate when it is cold to come into the studio and tell a yarn. We are... Has there any housekeeping before? I don't really think so. I'm just still in the middle of the run of A Christmas Carol here in Dublin, the Gate Theatre. It is great that it's... uh, that it is December now, that it is at least the month of Christmas. We've been up for a couple of weeks and the show has been going so, so well and is sold out completely until the 1st of December, or until the 1st of January, which as someone who sells his own shows and promotes his own shows is a huge, massive relief to be able to sit back and have allowed this show to have sold itself. And it's very gratifying and I'm having an absolute ball each and every night going in. I'll be going into the theatre later on today. But of course, I love, love, love that I get to come in now back in the mornings and to record this podcast each and every week. And it is very exciting now. Next week will be the year anniversary of the podcast. It was actually, I think officially, the first episode was released a couple of days ago, this time last year. But we'll celebrate next week as the official year it felt like such a milestone. It felt like almost a big one was last week with uh, with episode 50 and with the introduction of the Ku Cullen series of stories, which we're going to continue with now. We are in the depths. We're still in the early stages of it, but we're well in now to the Ulster cycle. We're dealing with these stories that are the prelude to the Tawn, the great story of Irish mythology. We haven't had a folk tale in a few weeks, which... Uh, 
I always like to alternate. Of course, anyone who listens to this podcast regularly will know, alternate back and forth between mythology and folklore. But there is just so, so much to get through with the Ulster Cycle. And it's all such good stuff as well. It's a, it's a case of all killer, no filler. Uh, but if I do, if and when I do discover new folk tales, I will litter them back in, especially as we come up to Christmas. I'm going to hopefully try and do a couple of Christmas stories. But for the moment, we're talking about love. We're talking about training. We're talking about Cucullin. Cucullin has become Cucullin, and he is now growing to become the hero, the warrior that we all know and love uh, or we will learn to know and love, or maybe even just know. But this is the story of how he meets his wife and the story of his training, uh, as the title will likely give away. Um, but we will just get down to the story, and I'll talk more about it after. This is Cucullin, Love and Training on Fireside. <laughs> Cucullin, Love and Training When Satanta had become Cucullin, and when Cucullin had become a man, the other warriors of Ulster became increasingly anxious. A jealousy was brewing in them, but not over Cucullin's skill as a hurler or prospects as a warrior, but over his eligibility as a bachelor. Cucullin was the most desirable man in all of Ulster, and he was not yet married. The lowest warrior, right up to King Conchobar MacNassa, all feared that the mighty warrior would run off with their wives or daughters. It was also thought that because of the life he had chosen, Cucullin may die young, and only Cucullin could bring about another Cucullin. So it was decided that a bride must be found. King Conchobar sent nine messengers to each province in Era to search for the right woman, but after a whole year, each came back having failed. So Cucullin took up the task himself. He travelled the length and breadth of Era looking for a woman to love. Eventually he came to the Garden of Lu, which is where we now call Lusk in County Dublin. Cucullin had heard of a great beauty there named Emer, who was the daughter of their chieftain, Fergal Monarch, who was known as the Cunning One. When Cucullin came upon Emer, she was embroidering upon an open plain. Yes, he was immediately taken with her beauty, but Cucullin valued battle above all else, and in this case, a battle of wits. He approached the young woman, who immediately recognised the warrior. Hello there. Hello, young warrior. My name is... I know who you are. Word of you has reached even as far as here. Cucullin then began to attempt to woo this girl. I see a sweet country before me, a place I could lay my weapon. No man will travel this country until he has proven his worth. You know who I am and still do not think I am worthy. You are still all prophecy and mythology and promise, but I have yet to see you fulfill these great prospects. And what would you consider to be worthy achievements to travel your country? No man will travel this country until he has proven himself a warrior. But that path, the true warrior must find himself. It will be done. And in your country, 
I'll rest my weapon. And Cucullin parted ways with his new love and returned to Eamon Maka. That night, Emer went home to her father, Fergal Monarch, and told him, Father, I have fallen in love with the pup who will become the greatest warrior the world has known, and his great deeds will be dedicated to me. Who is this man? He is Cucullin, nephew to Conquabar MacNessa, king of Ulster. Fergal Monarch did not need to hear any more. He knew who Cucullin was, and he was adamantly against his daughter marrying him. If my child marries Ulster's wild dog, it will surely bring about my own death. With this paranoia getting the better of him, Fergal Monarch travelled to Eamon Maka in disguise as a Gaulish merchant. In tartan patterns and a matted red wig, the cunning one went to the court of King Kunkabar MacNassa with the promise of Gaulish materials and wines if he was hosted. The Ulster king hosted Fergal for three nights, during which Cúchulain was paraded before him to entertain and dazzle with his immense skills in hurling and wrestling and sparring. Fergal had to admit that he was greatly impressed with the strength and prowess of Cúchulain, but the cunning one still had a plan to keep the warrior and Emer apart. He approached Cúchulain. I am impressed with the show you have performed for me. Unfortunately, that's all it is. A show. If you want to stop pretending and become a real warrior, you must travel to Alba to train with the Shadow. The Shadow? asked Cúchulain. Yes, Skatok, the shadowy one. If you can survive her training, you will be able to defeat any warrior in the known world. All of this was true, but Fergal Monarch's thought was that he didn't believe Cúchulain would be able to complete Skathok's training. He hoped he would die in the process and Emer would marry another. Cúchulain visited Emer at the Garden of Lú one more time on the morning he was to depart for Alba, what we now know as Scotland. Cúchulain, don't go. That was no Gaelish merchant. That was my father trying to keep us apart. I know that, McGraw. A curious strategy. Your father believes I will not return, but I will. Can you not continue your training here in Era? Skatok is the greatest warrior trainer in the world. If I am to become the greatest warrior, I must have the greatest trainer. This is all for you, Emer, so that I can be the man I am destined to be, to earn your love. I will wait for you always, until the moment of one of our deaths. They embraced, and Cúchulain set sail. Skatok's training camp was on an island in the northeastern part of Alba. We now know it as the Isle of Skye. The only way to reach where Skatok herself was, was to cross the Pupil's Bridge. A bridge that when you stepped onto it would toss you back off it before you could even take a second step. Cúchulain attempted to cross three times, failing each time and each time becoming more frustrated. When Cúchulain became angry, he went into a fury that was known as his warp spasm, where he would almost lose consciousness and certainly lost control. But under this warp spasm he made a salmon leap and easily cleared the bridge and landed on the other side. Skatok heard of this furious warrior from Era who had safely made it over to her island. She sent her daughter, Uthok, 
to welcome Cuchulain. Uthok was overwhelmed by the Hound of Ulster. She had never seen a man so beautiful. She quickly ran back to her mother to report this. I think you should sleep with him if you want, said Skethok. I would love to, if he would have me, replied her daughter. And so Uthok went back down to Cuchulain and this time spoke to the pup. She said she was a servant girl there to welcome him to the island. She gave him food and water and made him feel at home. Then she brought him into his quarters and had her way with him. Cuchulain did not object to any of this, but while he was pulling the clothes off his prospective trainer's daughter, he hurt Uthak's finger. The girl let out a cry, which woke the whole island. One of Skathok's soldiers ran to Uthak's aid, and neither she nor Cuchulain could explain the reality of the situation. So Cuchulain wrestled the soldier to the ground until he pulled the sword from his grasp and cut the soldier's head off. Skatok arrived and mourned the death of her loyal soldier. Ever the one for making things right, even when they weren't his fault, Cuchulain said he would take the place of the dead soldier in Skatok's army. The man Cuchulain had slain had been one of Skatok's best pupils, so the fact that the untrained Irish pup had killed him showed astonishing potential. So Cuchulain trained with Skatok, the shadowy one, in arms and combat, while spending each night with her daughter, Uthok. At the time of Cuchulain's training, Skatok was at war with another tribe, the chieftain of which was named Aoife. They had agreed to muster both their armies and settle the matter. Cuchulain, as always, was eager to fight in battle, but Skathok instead gave him a draft of sleeping agent. Skathok's fear was that the most promising student she had ever had was not yet ready and may perish in battle. But the sleeping agent, which was to last 24 hours, only lasted one on the Hound of Ulster, and Cuchulain awoke rested and ready for battle. Skathok's two sons, Kur and Kat, were to face off against three of Aoife's sons. Outnumbered, Skathok feared for her sons, until she saw Cuchulain race into battle and single-handedly slay all three of the sons of Skathok's enemy. The devastated mother challenged Cuchulain to single combat. He accepted, but first went to Skathok. You have been this woman's enemy for years, so you must know what she values most in this world. That I do. You have slain her boys, but would not have been them anyway. The thing Aoife prizes most is her two horses, her chariot and her charioteer. Cuchulain met Aoife on the battlefield, but Skatok's rival was the greatest warrior in the world and overpowered the young hound of Ulster. She hacked away at his sword until it was worn down to the nub. She had Cuchulain on his knees and was ready to strike the final blow when he shouted out, This won't bring back your horses. Aoife stopped. My horses? I saw your beloved horses and chariot and charioteer be ran from the cliff's edge. You may slay me, but they are all dead. Aoife turned to search the cliff's edge when Cuchulain grabbed his enemy by both her breasts and raised her high above his head. He threw Aoife to the ground, grabbed her sword and aimed it at her chest. I will spare your life if you give me what I desire, said Cuchulain. 
I will give you the three things if you can name them in one breath, said Aoife. Very well, and he took a deep breath. You will give hostages to Skatok. You will never attack her or her lands again. And tonight, you will lay with me in your own home. Aoife was surprised by that last part, but as she could still feel the sword up against her chest, she accepted all. That night, Cúchulain lay with Aoife, and as they lay in bed after, she said, I will bear you a son, and I will raise him for seven years, but when he is grown, he must come to live with you in Ulster. Leave him a name and something to identify him with. And Cúchulain left a thumb ring for his unborn son. Let him come to me when his finger fits this ring. He will be named Kumla. Tell him to tell that name to no man but me, and tell him never in life to refuse a fight. And Cúchulain stayed with Aoife until his wounds were healed, and then he returned to Skathok to finish his training. There was no craft or art of war that Cúchulain did not learn, hone or deepen under the tutelage of the shadowy one. His salmon leap was higher, his body was stronger but still nimble, and his sword play was unparalleled. By the time he was summoned back to the court of King Kunkabar Macnasa, Cúchulain was ready. His trainer gave him a parting gift of the gay bulga, the most deadly weapon ever created. It was a spear but when it pierced the skin, it omitted thirty metal barbs that filled the body, ensuring the most excruciating of deaths. But Skatok was also a prophet, and told Cúchulain his fortune. You have always known well of the great things you will do, but it will be all over a bull. The pillow talk of the king and queen of Connacht will bring you to battle. Foe will become friend and friend-foe. And for the thousands you will kill, you will only live until the age of thirty, and not one year more. No one has ever heard a prophecy of their life and death and known how to sufficiently comprehend it. So Cúchulain simply thanked Skathok for all she had done for him and returned to Ulster. During the training of Cúchulain, Fergal Monarch had done everything to try and marry his daughter Emer to someone else. It looked to be a foster brother of Cúchulain that would whisk her away. His name was Louis McNoise. Fergal Monarch allowed him to go to Emer and attempt to woo her. But Emer told Louis, I am saving myself for Cúchulain, and I am under his protection. Louis did not dare cross Cúchulain and return to Ulster. When the Hound of Ulster arrived again in Era, Fergal Monarch attempted to fortify his keep with every man in his command, but when Cúchulain arrived, he easily cut every one of them down, and Fergal was powerless as Cúchulain carried away his daughter, taking her with him to Eamon Maca. Emer was made welcome in Ulster by King Conchobar MacNassa, but there was a contentious issue that they would all have to contend with. Since rising to the throne, the men of Ulster have all offered the first night with their wives to Cunkabar, showing their devotion to him and making the king very much the father of Ulster. But Cothbod the prophet said, There is no way around this. Cunkabar dare not refuse, as to show fear of another man's wrath will undermine his authority. But Cucullin will go into his warp spasm and murder anyone who sleeps with his wife. 
And the solution came about that on the night Cúchulain and Emer were married, the woman spent the night with Cúncabar in the king's bed. But also in the bed were Cothbod the prophet and Fergus MacRoke, the former Ulster king and honourable follower of Cúncabar. This bizarre act saved the king's reputation and Cúchulain's honour. The next night Cúchulain and Emer slept together and they never again left each other until they both died. To be continued. And that is the story of Cucullan's love and training on Fireside. I hope you enjoyed it very much. A lot of groundwork there and introduction to the meeting of a lot of significant characters. It's just... It's the single greatest thing I've said about... single most fascinating thing and one of the best things about the Ulster cycle as a whole is just out of nowhere and without any explanation for it, there are so many more significant female characters already. And there's no big thing of it made of there being a reason it just is and I love that so much and it's it's so fascinating that it's so particular in this cycle of stories this cycle that fits second in the grand scheme of all four even though this is the last one we're doing chronologically because it is the biggest one and the most challenging one to adapt that um, first of all, you know, we had we had Deirdre as the foremost tragic heroine in all of Irish mythology, but now in this story alone, you know, we have three significant women in Cucullin's life. We have his love, Emer. We have uh, his trainer, Skatok, and uh, we have the woman who would bear him a child, Aoife, Skatok's enemy. It's. There's no doubt there's a problematic tale. It isn't as a, as nice a love story as, say, of Dermot and Grania or of uh, Midir and Etain in that, like, it's not this kind of noble love. I mean, you are, we are told that Cúchulain did love Emer and that she was his true love and everything, but he's still, without any concept of it being a bad thing or anything that happily sleeps with many, many, many other women. And to Cullen, this uh, these sexual conquests are almost as great as as his feats in battle. And that's never more clear than in when he's defeating Aoife, Scathach's enemy, in that rather than kill her, his punishment is to sleep with him and to bear him a child. And at no point at all is it like, is this okay? Uh, whereas then we do go back to Emer and she refuses the advancements and keeps her honour and saves herself for Cucullin. And that's, of course, you know, that's just potentially a problematic part of just how old these stories are, of this idea of uh, the wandering the wandering male soldier while the the dutiful wife is expected to stay at home keeping her honour for when and if her husband does return. And, you know, there's not a not a huge amount I could do with that. Like, uh, you know, as as people listen to this podcast, though, I try to, I try to make these stories my own and uh, add little bits here and there. And sometimes I change 
stuff and sometimes I don't. I'm definitely going to be changing less of uh, of the Ulster cycle just because it has been so well adapted story-wise by, and it's been so consistently adapted. And so I have uh, mostly what I'm doing uh, with my adaptations of this is, of the Ulster cycle of the Tawn, is streamlining it. Is uh, That's what I think one of my biggest things about this podcast in general has been is streamlining the stories because in so many of these myths, there are so many names mentioned of people who just don't, who just don't ever appear again. You know, all of these various lords of of Kunkabar, all of these other pupils and 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 warriors under Scathok's training, and just they're mentioned once and never mentioned again. Whereas this is Kukulin's story, and it's the story of his courtship of Emer, of his training with Scathok, and of his defeat defeat of Aoife. And Thomas Kinsella, who adapted this this ultimate version of the Tawn and was the first it was the first one in translated into English that didn't sanitize the story and so I didn't want to do that either at the at the cost of 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 coming across as vulgar at times so for example um this riddle that Emer and Cucullin engage in which is the in that country I will lay my weapon and all this double entendre, which is which is very much not my kind of humor at the best of times and certainly wouldn't be a kind of thing I'd be writing. But then again, that just is I mean and that is a translation, you know, that comes from the ancient Irish and so I think there's something in keeping preserving that because that is the, what's made it to today is is that version of it and Lady Gregory's adaptation of Kukul, of the Kukulan story took away all of that because she didn't think people were interested in the sex and the violence and the bizarre shit that goes on in um, in the Ulster cycle and so I do want to honour that and honour Kinsella and honour Kieran Carson's adaptations of these and not re-sanitising them Um just from an own my own kind of egotistical point of view, but yeah, I suppose I will. I will always say what is, what isn't. Um, also, yeah, the image of uh, Kukulin uh, distracting Aoife by telling her that her chariot and charioteer have fallen off a cliff, and then grabbing her by both her breasts and lifting her up. And this is this is all verbatim from from the. Uh, from the Kinsella adaptation as well, which is uh, like it, it obviously borders on just like the glorification of sexual violence, which is a strong element of the of the Tawn and uh, certainly of Cucullin. But I suppose ultimately, it's the whole picture. You know, I'm not going to glorify. There's there's far too much glorification of Cucullin as a hero, as the ultimate hero, the Jesus Hercules, as they say, of Irish mythology. But the complexity of him and that he may not be the best guy uh, is is what adds to the interest in him, you know, as much as anything. And considering that so many of us just hear these stories as children and that's all we think they are, like so many folk tales and Irish myths, Whereas the the Tawn and the Ulster cycle is just downright depraved. And that's the 
one of the best things about it is how just vulgar and violent and and sexy and all the rest how it is all of those things and i suppose all of those things are important to keep in um to show that that is what it is as a piece and that is what it is as a text so i'm going to try and streamline these stories and make my own versions of these myths but i want to try and stay true to the essence of what these stories are I mean that will only come as we continue to adapt them as I as I try and see what my version of this story is what I think the the story that as clear as water as Phil Pullman says with his adaptation of the grim fairy tales to how to make the tone as clear as water in my head and for my telling and what what of it makes sense to me and what I think will make sense to to everyone who listens to this podcast because ultimately like I'm as I always say I'm in your shoes as well i'm all i'm learning all of this for the first time myself as well a lot of this the ulster cycle is one i knew a bit better than some of the other things i've adapted but still to be adapting in it in this kind of level of detail and breaking it right down into these individual stories does take a it takes a lot of learning and relearning and and you know learning as we go you know every story is going to make it clearer and all uh, but it is very, it's becoming clearer and clearer, certainly, that this is, that the Thawne and the Ulster Cycle is a different piece than anything else we have adapted on this podcast. And that's why I'm glad I saved it for the end of the first year when I have a bit more confidence and a little bit more skill in adapting these stories. I mean, it is less a story, this one, rather than a sequence of events. Um, it doesn't have as much of a satisfaction as as the, even the stories of Conquabar or Deirdre or of the birth of Cúchulain had. These are just more details, but of these fascinating characters, the idea of Skatok is still incredible. She is she is like the old wizard in you know in a fantasy story. She is this warrior woman. It's very like uh, like like Wonder Woman, like the Hippolyta and the mothers and aunts of 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 Wonder Woman who train her on the on the Greek island. Now that of course draws from ancient Greek myth and we have the idea of Valkyries and warrior women in, in Norse mythology, but we have less less of an idea of that in, in our own Celtic mythology, but certainly is not the case in the Ulster Cycle. In the Ulster Cycle it draws from this deeply rooted idea um and this concept of these warrior women obviously most significantly of all in Queen Maeve who we will meet very very soon if not next week the week after and Skatak we have is this legendary warrior this greatest warrior who's ever trained people and living on the Isle of Skye and the idea of this training there's something like a like a martial arts film as well you know uh, or like Dragon Ball Z if anyone watched that when they were younger of Goku having to go and train with King Kai and the idea of the trials and tribulations to even get to the island to even get to begin the training and no sooner is he there that he has to fight her battle for her as well and and overpower this woman even that's almost as much the training <laughs> And then you have an incredible bit at the end there, to be fair. We had established that before when we talked about the story of King Kunkabar of that all women would be given to him on the first night of marriage and that he would choose to sleep with them if he 
if he wanted to, or he could also pass up on it. But it being very significant when it's the daughter of his nephew, Cucullin, that to not sleep with Emer, so significant a beauty and so significant the wife of uh, a warrior, that to not sleep with her would be to show fear of Cucullin. And rightly so, as, yeah, let's talk about this warp spasm that everyone fears. This is... Kukulin basically has a Hulk mode. He can turn into kind of a werewolf. Like he can turn into a monster. And it's depends on the adaptation you do. Sometimes you know, sometimes he just gets very angry. Sometimes he actually does become like this different creature, this different beast. And it's such a it's such an incredible factor to Kukulin that he does have this anger and this temper and <clears throat> can go into this warp spasm. Is warp spasm is is certainly Thomas Kinsella's translation of it. There are a couple of other uh, versions of what they call it, and it's it's going to be great to see the different ways that the warp spasm does come out. And that is, of course, what Kunkabar fears when he thinks he will sleep with if he sleeps with Emer. This will all come out from Kukulin, and so he sleeps in the bed with her with two other lads. And the image of the four of them in the bed, not even in the same room. Like that's that's there. That's I didn't add that. That's an interpretation, certainly. But from, from what I read on the page, the implication is that the four of them are all in the same bed. Which why wouldn't you want that version in? Because that is gas, and that protects Kugabar's reputation somehow. But it certainly protects Ku Cullen's honor, knowing that his wife wasn't defiled, even though he had been sleeping with absolutely everyone else. And has already born, has already a child on the way by another woman. Sleeps with Uthak, uh, Skatok's daughter. Sleeps with Aoife, obviously she becomes pregnant. And then goes home to marry Emer. But I suppose the idea is that she is still his his loyal and devoted wife. And that she is the one who he does everything for. And the one who he does truly love. For better or for worse. But she is there now, and we have so we have a Cucullin who's named, who is now trained and married. Cucullin as a story, he is now ready for the thorn. He's we have an idea, we've met him, we have an idea of what what is told about him, and in we have this in when he finishes Scathok's training that uh, he gets this prophecy that. Uh, of what he will do because he's been told he'll do great things and that he is this incredibly perfect warrior who has always who is always guaranteed to do great things but now we have some idea of what those things might be and I'm going to read from you a little bit from Thomas Kinsella's adaptation because it's mostly written in prose but he does write some verse poetry as well and I'm going to read you Scathok's uh, prophecy for Cucullin from the Thomas Kinsella adaptation of the Thorn uh, to the Imbos Forani, the Light of Foresight, as it's known. I salute you, weary after triumph, battle-eager, ice-hearted. Go where you'll find some comfort still. What comfort comes with most speed, what speed with most urgency? Alone no matter where you stand, dire danger ever at hand. Alone and ringed by envy, Cruhan's heroes you destroy. Some heroes you protect, others lie broken-necked. 
Your straight sword stabs behind you, stained with Satanta's own gore. Red battles distant roar, bones broken by the spear, horned herds hemmed in. The cruel club's hard edge, raw flesh battles badge. Cattle stolen out of bray, your country under bondage, cattle straying on the ways. For five tear-sodden days, hardship and a long sigh, one against an army. Your own blood a red plague, splashed on many a smashed shield, on weapons and women red-eyed, the field of slaughter growing red. On chopped flesh ravens feed, the crow scours the ploughed ground, the savage kite shall be found. Herds broken up in wrath, great hosts driving the hordes, blood split in a great flood. Cucullin's body wasted, there are bitter wounds to bear, and warriors to slaughter with your red stabbing spiked spear. Grief and sorrow where you roam, murderous on Murhivna plain, playing at the stabbing game. Now the crafty champion comes, in rage against a broken wave, heroic in his mighty acts. And harsh scream and cruel heart, let him come and women kill, and mave fight with Alil. A bed of sickness lies in wait, your breast full of fierce hate. Hear the white-horned bull roar against the brown bull of Kulna. When he will come and when forced with sharp valour through the forest, arise versed in the bloody spike, and long sweeping strong stroke, and twisting run and lone attack. Shake off weakness and neglect, Arise once more and seize your arms, seasoned in the crafts of war, proud, striding, raider, pitiless. For Ulster's land and virgin women, rise now in all your force, with warlike cruel wounding shield and strong shafted curved spear, and straight sword dyed red in dark gatherings of blood. Men in Alba will know your name, in the winter night pity your wail. Aoife and Utak will pity your sweet shape-changing bright body, stretched into sleep nobly broken for three and thirty full years. All your enemies are yours. You will keep for thirty years your sharp valour and your force. I will not add another year, nor tell more of your career, full of triumph and women's love, what matter how short I salute you. Yes, yeah, so that's probably quite a like quite a literal translation that uh, that Thomas Kinsella has added his own poetry to. It's dense, it's deep, and that is Scathach's prophecy of Cúchulainn, and that we have everything in of his deeds, of the stories of the Tawn, of the women he will love, of scorn, of the men he will kill, of the wars he will fight against too. Which, of course, boils down to just him being told, you're going to fight in this battle and you're going to die young. He... Uh, even then it said no more than 30 years but it said 3 and 30 as well 33 which is the age that Jesus Christ died on another allusion to Cú Cullen being the Jesus Hercules of Irish mythology which is bizarre that he is bandied in like that but that is that is the idea of the monomyth of the idea of all stories being the story that the story of Jesus, the story of Kukul and Hercules, the story of Luke Skywalker, that they are all this idea of just this one hero going on this one journey. But I will wrap things up there. 
because if someone's coming in, that's obviously my time up. But thank you so much to all of you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the story of Cook Cullen's love and training as we continue the prelude to the thorn here in uh, here on Fireside. So thank you so much to all everyone here at Headstuff, to Paddy and Alan and to Connor and to everyone, to Jamie, my producer, for continuing to edit this podcast and to every single one of you for listening. If you want, if you enjoy the podcast, you can follow me at Fireside Bard, all one word on Instagram. Um, and I will see you all. You will hear me all next time around the Fireside. Thank you and goodbye. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.